You ever have friends you just don't want to be friends with and you don't know how to stop They're at the st- hanging out with them? Uh, oh boy. Are we oh. doing the wrong movie? Wow. Oh. That's the wrong movie, I think. But also, no, I don't ever feel that way anymore. I okay. got rid of all those people. Okay. But I am starting to th- suspect that Arthur might be harboring some, some latent... <laughs> Uh, sort of. Uh, I mean, I guess we haven't mentioned the movie, so we can talk about either one of these in one. Or, or, or I, I, I'm, I'm deeply worried care. because we're doing a double record today, and um, I didn't actually confirm which was first on the list. <laughs> we I, typically go in chronological order. In chrono- yeah, but I don't know what we announced last week. I mean, <laughs> you, I've, you don't pay attention. I've slept since you don't last watch week. Watch the episodes. Well, I do watch the episodes, but have you dropped the episode from last no, week? I yeah, no, that's what I thought. Because that'd be ahead of schedule. Now it exactly. would be fun to just keep freestyling until Dustin decides See, which movie we're talking yeah, about. Yeah, so. I mean, I'm I'm not opposed to I that. I don't. Yeah, you're 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 in charge. You're the lead. You started this thing. Yeah, All right. The show. So, well, we're gonna look at the the the, the Danish slash Dutch uh, film. Speak no evil today. Perfect. Um, um, hello, everybody, and welcome again to the Good Trash Honor Cast. That's the movie we're doing. Uh, you may have heard that we're doing something else. Um, no, that's right. Last yeah. week we talked about we are what we are, but this week we're talking about Dalton's pick, which was Speak No Evil or. Right. The guests in the original uh, Danish. Not to be confused with the guest, singular, no. which is very different. It's a movie we'll probably talk same. about. Yeah, it's kind of a similar film, totally. Uh, yeah. You're not wrong. Damn, we should talk Am about I wrong? the guest. No, nobody's wrong. Yeah, I, I was. I was. Arthur just, said it first. Leave me out. Well, I just turned my head sideways, and that, that <laughs> I don't like the way you're doing this to me. <laughs> now this is going to be an episode full of mind games and sort of yeah, social jujitsu, lot, if you lots will. Of, lots of gaslighting happening right now. <laughs> um, by the way, I am still Dustin. I'm still Arthur. I am still Dalton, and I am so so sorry I made you guys watch this traumatizing film, but I needed to talk about it. Well, that's fair. Uh, thank you for picking it. I'm glad. I I thought. Wait, you picked... Yeah, I picked this. Speak No Evil? Yeah. I thought you picked We Are. I know. You're so out. So that... No. Uh, yeah, I, I knew... Last so week he, we talked about We Are What We Are. Right. And Correct. Which we, are, we, which we have not recorded yet. We're going to we record not, that after this because you picked to do this one first. Because I'm... <laughs> oh, my brain is broken. Hey, if you're trying to get the Good Trash Genre Cast for the very first time, dear listener, we want to warn you that this is not a review show. It's an analysis show. And we will talk about how the movie ends, which oftentimes matters in horror films. We are, again, in Shocktober 12, the International, and we're continuing to work our way through international horror. And we're going to talk about how these films will end. But we'll give you a pr- reprieve from that by giving a synopsis, a quick set of summaries and uh, reviews from us, uh, which will be spoiler free. We'll then move on to a game called Explain the Syllabus, in which spoilers are going to be very, very general, if at all. And then from there, we move on to business. And there'll be music to say that we have gotten down to said business. And that's when you know all spoiler bets are off. So without any further ado, Arthur Gordon, do delight us with a speak no evil synopsis. After meeting on holiday, two families decide to spend the weekend together. But Bjorn and Louise soon discover that you don't piss on hospitality. (laughs) The Dutch won't allow it. Oh, I'm so happy. Oh, God. I've never been so happy oh, in all my life. my gosh. I'm, I want Troll This really two. is between Troll 2, Midsommar, and this. We sort of do have our, our trilogy of the, this is on hospitality. diagram of awesome right there. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for that synopsis, Arthur. Um, now, Dalton, you've seen the movie before. And I have. You, but is, you are the picker of the film. I am. So I would like to ask you, mm-hmm. why do you like this movie? Why did you pick it? It's just so stark and yet kind of wry 
in, in its way, which mm-hmm. I think I, I've, some people have fully described this as a satire. I don't know that I go that far with it, hmm. but it is got this kind of wry, mm-hmm. ironic sense of humor until it's not funny at all. Mm-hmm. Until it's so not funny, you can't stand it. Uh, and that, maybe that's the other thing I like about it is it does feel so kind of monumental and mythological. Uh, it, it feels, you know, I, I've seen some reviews that are like, people don't act like this or like they definitely at this point, that's when things would have really kicked off and, and, and the Danish couple would have taken off. And I, I, I see those criticisms and they're valid. I, for me, the movie kind of only exists in the real world for about the first 20 minutes or so. And from there, it becomes kind of an experiment and, you know social interaction and just sort of a what if thought experiment. And that's what I like about it. I do like the thought experiment of this. of like, if you hit a vibe with some folks and you like, think you're going to be friends with them. Like how many things do you forgive where you're like, maybe I don't want to be friends with these people. Mm-hmm. And it is just a really cool thought experiment. And, and as when you enter in the sort of the questions of safety, the questions of co- cross-cultural interaction, the questions of masculinity and sort of uh, modern technological society versus prehistoric lizard brain centered living. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's fun that those themes get brought up in the movie. And I think they only serve to underscore like the central stuff, which is, is all the sort of sort of social interaction. And what do we allow? What do we, get surprised by what do we make excuses for and and when when do we stop listening to ourselves Uh, and i just love all of that um i also just really love the way this film is shot Mm -hmm. uh it looks Mm -hmm. spectacular i think the cinematography on this is really incredible Mm -hmm. um and in comparison to last week's film i think really just kind of shows like even on a limited budget like you know, you can real uh, you can put all the money on the damn screen, and these films are you know not that far apart from each other. About twelve years uh, in production, so they're both digital films, and you know, digital cameras have gotten better. So I want to give we are we are that that credit, and sure. I think this might have had a little bit more money than that film, but this film just looks so stunning. Um, and I I just kind of appreciate watching it this time. the The opening it kind of foreshadows the ending in some really fun ways that I, I hadn't picked up on obviously. Um, cause of, this was my third and a half time seeing it or second and a half time seeing it. I guess uh, I watched probably a third to two thirds of this movie and was like, I gotta get back and watch this with me and, uh, started all over with her. So I, it's kind of experienced this movie a couple of times. And uh, every time I visit it, I'm just very struck by, the performances that are so good and especially um, I think Patrick's great. I think the, the guy that plays Patrick is does such a good job of kind of mm-hmm. keeping you on your toes and and like being reassuring and sort of sensitive at times and, and, and empathetic at times. And then when that switch gets flipped and things get a little bit more tense, like he is kind of the scariest guy on earth. Uh, I get why they're, I think Scoot McNeary's who's playing him in the upcoming English language, re- I guess I shouldn't say English language remake because this film's mostly in English, uh, American. the upcoming American remake. Yeah. I think Scoot McNeary's going to be playing that role and that's, that's good casting for that. I think we're going to have to discuss the English language remake later, but, or 
adjacent yeah. for these kinds of movies because uh, several of these movies have had these. But sure, I'll, but I'll, most yeah, but we'll, ad- we'll address that in a little bit. I think Train to Busan is even working on it. So tr- every film we've covered for this marathon either has a remake or has one in production. So that is that is interesting that it is such a it feels like horror is the genre that gets most remade when it uh-huh. comes to like the international remake. Uh, and maybe maybe I'm wrong, and maybe that's just sample bias uh, in my, on my part. But that's I mean, sort the of thriller I think is also a significant that's portion true. of them. But that's yeah. true. Um, I guess I'll leave it there. I, I, and finally, the score. I think the score is like really does the hard sell uh, in a good way, especially in the final moments. Uh, not the final moments, but sort of in the the film's kind of dramatic climax. Uh, the score really goes big, and I, I appreciate sort of how biblical it is. Uh, yeah, I, and that's that is a fun thing about this film is that there is a a bit of feeling biblical to it. Uh, yeah, I I just again it's absolute freak shit. I don't begrudge anyone who doesn't like it because it is very extreme. Um, but if you can hang with it, I think it, it's a very rewarding film. Very good, very good. Thank you very much, Mr. Dalton Stewart. Mr. Arthur Gordon, do you like to speak no evil? Speak no evil, speak no evil. Or speak all the evil you wish. I just don't speak is typically what happens. Um, Yeah, I like this movie quite a bit. Um, I think that a couple things happened here uh, in going into the watch. One, Dalton really oversold it. And so... It was very anticlimactic. Oh, good. And <laughs> That's kind of what I wanted. I wanted to like to well, really prepare you. Takes the wind out of it for me. Okay, sorry. In a in a way, because it's a it is a matter of waiting for the other foot to drop, and then when it finally dropped, I was like, oh, okay, interesting. We're done. Okay. Uh, and, and kind of in comparison to something like Funny Games, which gets brought up, I think with it mm-hmm. is Funny Games is much more I think hard to watch, um, because it is so much more throughout mm-hmm. and this is really a play on really is when is when is it going to happen mm-hmm. if you're kind of aware of what's going on in it um and i think also because of that i put together pretty quick where it was going i think um with some of the stuff well when we find out some information about a character pretty early on in the film mm-hmm. i was like okay then i think i know where we're gonna go with this and so those kind of things really kind of by the time i was like oh okay that wasn't bad Right. Gotcha. But I mean, I think it's great. I, I, the thing I've talked about a lot in the past is uh, raising stakes and ratcheting tension. And this does both of those things for real in aces. I mean, it's just so smart narratively in the way it one keeps certain things in play mm-hmm. and two starts to create this constant it's hard to talk about this without giving anything away i think in some places too uh uh, the way it creates this constant dread of what's going to happen um because of the way it plays out but it's paced so well because of that that it keeps you invested it keeps you interested and it keeps you hooked to know where it's going to go and so um yeah i I like it quite a bit actually i I think it's real solid and maybe my favorite movie we've watched for this marathon. Um, I go back to it. I think pretty, and, and like, and you know, we've talked about this already. Some, I think in the past you've talked about it. Not really. I mean, it's already 70% in English. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah, so it's like, I remember, you know, like it almost felt like an American film that incorporates some international dialogue here well, and, and there, it's, it's, which, you know, I've seen, you know, thousands of times. Right. So I've never felt like 
distance in that way that I do sometimes mm. watching international movies. I've watched quite a few this week because of uh, stuff I've been doing for class and other stuff we've watched for the show. And so like international cinema has kind of been in the front of my brain. And so this one doesn't have that sort of almost wall up because it is so um, I think approachable in that way with the language. For sure. And I, it's funny you mentioned it feeling like an American film because uh, Taftrip, uh, Christian Taftrip, the director, uh, did like specifically in an interview I watched with him kind of mentioned like the bigness of American movies and you kind of expect a big grand adventure in an American film. And he was like, you know, Dutch films are usually like kitchen sink dramas. So I or yeah. Danish films, not Dutch films. Um, so he was that he was kind of going for that sort of grandness that yeah. that sort of uh, that that very in your faceness, I guess, of an American movie. So it's yeah. interesting you you felt that way. Um, so because of all that, uh, I, I man, yeah, I think this movie's good. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It knows exactly where it wants to go and how it wants to get there. And it's, it's I think, real clever. And and like you, I think it's funny. It's got some funny stuff in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. there were several times where I was like laughing. I was like, am I supposed to? I think I am. Um, and it's it's got some got some humor to it. And so I think that again is just very clever. I mean, a lot like Let the Right One In, which I think the same way. I mean, very you know bleak at times, but also some good one liners or some good bits, right? Mm-hmm. Um. And I don't, you know, we don't really have the the issue of the uh, um, schmucky person trying to uh, failing to do something like we do and let the right one in. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last week's movie uh, where that happens a few times. But here, uh, you know, it, it, it just is it's got some clever things that happen, some ironic moments, but also some just good reactional stuff. And, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I would I really kind of want to watch it again because I do want to pick up on some of those things, you know, some of that foreshadowing that may be taking place. Mm-hmm. Um and so I almost thought the way it's set up, I almost thought we had a uh, little framing thing where we were starting at at one point and then going back to figure out how we got, you know, that's yeah. kind of what I thought yeah. happened at the beginning. And then I realized they were just arriving late at the mm-hmm. uh, the holiday trip in Italy. But it is reminiscent of a car ride late in the film, yep. though, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 So anyway. That, I, I liked it quite a bit, Dustin. Very good, very good. I also liked it quite a bit. Um, I like the horror movie in which you don't have... Um, the sort of salacious violence. You don't have the sort of impending, there's bunny parts boiling on the stove. I wanted to talk about that later. I thought about mentioning my review, but I want to talk about that uh, later. Yeah, I okay, think. okay. Uh, we definitely can. Cause and maybe that's what Arthur was thinking when I oversold, like, this is a tough sit, mm-hmm. is thinking that there was going to be a lot of, like, extreme. I, mean, I don't the, know if that was part it, of what it, you were it, thinking. It I gets to be a, there's a part that's a tough sit. Sure. But um, it's really kind of like a part. And, yeah. mm-hmm. and and but I but I'm all I'm unnerved throughout, and so mm-hmm. there's not jump scares or any mm-hmm. of that kind of other. Uh, again, and I don't I, I'm not a person who hates on the jump scare. I like a well placed jump yeah. scare as much as anybody else. There's an art to it. Uh, there really is, and uh, they're very fun uh, when they get you. Mm-hmm. And I'm, and they always get them, no matter if there's an art to it or not. I, 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 I watched a number of movies. Yeah. I, I'm particularly susceptible to the jump scare. Very easy. Yeah. yeah. Even when it's not supposed to be a jump scare, mm-hmm. really. It's just supposed to be sort of a sudden. If there's like a loud clang in anything, yeah. he's going to jump. Becca I, does that too. Hey, yeah. you know what? When the when the zombies come, though, I'll be ready. That's what it's I want to say. Those cat-like reflexes they're, they're keeping never, him sharp. They're never going to get me. This is, you mentioned something, that the, kind of, the, and Arthur mentioned the ratcheting of this film as well. And it, I think the, the frog in a pot of water metaphor is, is good uh-huh. here mm-hmm. uh, because the film really does like just slow turn things up yeah uh in in a way that i think like allows you to stay bought in with bjorn and Luis, right like Mm -hmm. you don't you're not you want them to leave desperately right but you're not like mad at them you like you're not calling them an idiot until late until Uh, late uh, in the film and you're like what are you dumb dumb i mean i i don't Mm. know i don't know that i was with them 
Um, yeah. I, I think after the first night, yeah. he should have left. But yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll talk more about that. I, because absolutely, we will. There, there's a thing that um, he's aware of, and there's a thing that she's aware of, and that's enough. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Rain... and. Well, anyway, we'll we'll talk about the placement of a bunny rabbit later. Um, but uh, that <laughs> mm-hmm. that we we left the action figure in the road like Will Smith. That's right. Uh, <laughs> That's right. You're so right in, in the pursuit of happiness. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I, for what I'm saying though is it really does work. And uh, I think Bjorn and ooh uh, Agnes Louise, Louise, Louise Agnes is their daughter. Yeah, Louisa. Agnes. Um, I think both of the actors uh, playing them, uh, their portrayals are really, really raw and really, really authentic. The way in which uh, Bjorn plays kind of oh, I don't know, kind of a, a henpecked man without sort of like within without falling into cliche. Mm-hmm. He, he's kind of he's kind of fine with it. He's kind of not. And it's okay. And he plays that with sympathy and uh, with some grace that I think is kind of unusual uh, for that role. And then uh, uh, Louisa does not seem to be like this overbearing woman. At the same time, she is in control and she thinks her own mind and she wants to make decisions. And and so it, that's a really, really difficult sort of razor's edge to walk. Either you fall off into you just don't believe in the character or they're, they're just unlikable. Mm-hmm. And they never, ever go there with it. Good child acting as well uh, in the movie. And so, yeah, and everything that my co-hosts have said so far has been great and excellent. So, um, yeah, I like the movie a lot. It's a, it's a really, really good, thrilling uh, thing, and it does uh, reach biblical levels uh, there towards the end. I think that's a good adjective to describe it. So there you go, dear listener. Our thoughts are generally pro concerning Speak No Evil. We will speak no evil of Speak No Evil. Um, we will see whether or not we see or hear any evil here in just a little bit. But before that, we're going to get down to our uh, little uh, mind exercise we like to call Expanding the Syllabus. And this time, Dalton's going to explain to us what that's all about. I will. Uh, so this is the part of the show where we talk about the films you would never discuss in a film studies course, and we try to do it in a film studies course type way. Uh, we try to bring in other influences, other texts, and pair it with the weeks of viewing and sort of string a central thread uh, through it to to create either a class, a module within a class, um, some sort of academic uh, curriculum uh, around which you know the, the the cornerstone being the films uh, uh, that we watched for the week. That's right. Um, do you come prepared with the syllabus, my friend? I do. I'm 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 thinking about my my old sociology brain. Uh, yeah, thinking old sociology classes again. And I think you could really have something fun here and sort of like um, you know more micro level sociology, more social interaction, and uh, sort of the study of of that sort of thing. And I think you could bring in a couple of films that are, uh, I actually referenced this film, um, back in last Shocktober, uh, when we did Candyman, I did a syllabus. It was like social thrillers before and after get out. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is definitely in that genre of, of sort of, um, a social thriller, but I tried to kind of even more focus in and call it a, a horror of manners, you know, as opposed to a comedy of manners. So, um, this would maybe be a, a module within a class that is sort of about social interactionism and, and sort of dramaturgy and uh, not dramaturgy. Um, actually, no, I think that is what it is. Anyway, uh, all of these, you know, sociology is always so often, you know, thought of as this kind of large scale discipline. Uh, and, you know, it is also uh, about the more micro level interactions, too. And so we, I think we could uh, use that uh, as the framework for the class and then just do a, a unit on like film and sort of how we interact with other people and, and look at films in which motivation 
is so obscured that it, it becomes a horror movie from the first seconds of a film, and then it takes a little bit for you to understand what exactly is going on. Uh, so we'd look at uh, Hard Candy, I think is a great example of this. Arthur already mentioned Michael Haneke's Funny Games, uh, both a French and a, a English-American version, although most of the actors in that are not American. Um, Barbarian, uh, mm-hmm. sort of the first act of that film, is a classic uh, example of this. Uh, the Karen Kusama film, The Invitation, uh, The Dinner mm-hmm. Party, I think is another great example. Uh, and I even like another dinner party film, Coherence. I forget the filmmaker on that one. And this mm-hmm. one's kind of more of a sci-fi thriller than a proper horror film. Uh, but I think it fits within the, the, the rubric well enough. Uh, because all of these films sort of present you with characters that have some sort of opaque background, some sort of motivating factor that we don't learn until late in the game. Um, especially in hard candy, you know, you've got uh, Elliot page and Patrick Wilson sort of bouncing off of each other. And it, it keeps you so uncertain about the power dynamic between those two until, until it's ready to reveal its hand. Really love. I don't, I st- no, no shade to David Slade, but I don't think he stopped that first film yet. It is pretty fucking cool. Um, Likewise, I've never seen uh, Hanukkah's first swing at funny games, but I think I'm with Arthur. I think I I like the remake a lot, and I think it might be a more successful version of Speak No Evil. And you can Speak No Evil is like heavily indebted to funny games Mm and uh, Hanukkah and Von Trier are two filmmakers that uh, Tardif are. Taftrip, I keep messing up his name in my head. Taftrip, like specifically, cites them as influences as, mm-hmm. as guys who do extreme cinema, extreme cinema, and that was kind of the sort of movie him and his brother were trying to write. They wanted to uh, do this. This was, you know, the thought experiment was to make the most extreme, uh, most unsettling Danish film ever made, uh, and that that was like the experiment they started from. Uh, and so again, I, I think Funny Games might be a little bit more successful. I, I, I like what you're saying, Arthur, about that film. Like immediately, you know something's wrong. And it is like it's even weirder that the couple at the center of it is like not protecting themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you're so right to invoke that. And, and maybe I'd, I'd like to watch the films kind of close together to kind of compare and contrast them. Um, but I think that's like the most one to one correspondence between any of one of these films. I think funny games and this like mm-hmm. share a lot of DNA. Absolutely. Very good. Very good. Thank you very much for that. Mr. Dalton. Sure. Mr. Arthur Gordon, do you have a syllabus prepared today? Uh, yeah, uh, we would do one specifically focused on the idea of the dinner party, doing a guess who's coming to dinner type thing. Um, and oftentimes I think these movies sort of reckon with some sort of, uh, I think sociologically cultural mm-hmm. clash. There's some kind of dynamic playing out there, either power, class, race. There's something going on that kind of motivates the tension of the film, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's a comedy or a horror film. And so I think we'd start with guess who's coming to dinner with Sidney Poitier and uh, Hepburn and Spencer Tracy and talk about, I mean, obviously kind of where it stands within uh, cinema in the 60s and approaching r- race and civil rights and things like that, uh, but just as a comedy as well and Poitier's work and ha- uh, Hepburn and Stacey's work as well, Tracy's work, sorry. Um, and so I think that'd be the fun place to start and it is this tension of how is this dinner meeting going to go once you understand the dynamics of what's at play. Uh, we've got to follow it to its modern successor, and that is Jordan Peele's Get Out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll have to talk about that, which obviously is pulling a lot from Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, but now adding in this level of the horror film to it. Um, and, and I think doing some of the same stuff that we see in Speak No Evil of where is this going? When is the other shoe going to drop? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of the question, I think, at the heart of Get Out as well is something's off. 
but we can't quite tell what it is, right? Mm. Uh, and so I think we play with that well. Uh, from there, uh, a show, we, a movie we talked about a long time ago. Uh, we probably talk about Louis Benuel's uh, The Exterminating Angel. Nice. Uh, yeah. Riffed off by uh, Buffy. Um, but this idea of a dinner party where nobody can leave and the tensions that rise from that. Uh, jumping back into hard comedy and a remake. Um, we would t- an American remake. We talk about Dinner with Schmucks, um, Nepal Rudd, Steve Carell film. Oh yeah, I was uh, about uh, yeah. I can't remember the original title of the French film. I think it translates like dinner similar dinner for idiots yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but uh, this idea of a, a competition of who can bring the weirdest person to the dinner and they win a prize. And mm-hmm. so it is about Paul Rudd befriending uh, Steve Carell, who's just kind of an outside outsider who's maybe a little weird by social conventions. Uh, and through that rut, you know, has to learn to be a good person or whatever. Um, <laughs> but it is really based around that idea of of the dinner party to motivate it. Uh, from there, we talk about the menu. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, Ray Fiennes, Anita Joy, Nicholas Holt. Uh, man, I love Nicholas Holt. I, I really love that kid. Um, but this is, I mean, really focusing in on class and art and criticism and, and a lot of different things kind of cooking uh, under the hood, if you will. But uh, I think it does a great job of again, bringing these people together and just waiting for something to go off. Hmm. Uh, and once it pops off, it pops off pretty big. And, and so I think the menu is a fun one. And then finally we would end with Alfred Hitchcock's rope, uh, which again is about putting all these people in a room uh, now at the scene of a crime that nobody knows about and really playing with the tension of that as the killers are smugly thinking they'll get away with it and seeing where that plays. And I think Hitchcock does a fun job. Uh, with the tension there. So we'd really just look at the idea of the dinner party as setting. Uh, man, you could almost put this with, uh, I, I did train to Basan and trains as a place to, you know, kind of the, the, the small area. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, I think this kind of naturally fits in the, the same class, maybe the next module. Uh, we talked about the small space thriller. Now we can talk about the, the dinner party. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is again in screenwriting or something, but yeah, I, I think it's a fun thing to do. Mm-hmm. No, I like it very much. Thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I think if I were to teach this movie in a class, I would do it as a module in a international horror class like we're doing right now and uh, pay attention to the low countries. What are the low countries, you ask? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Opposite of the high countries? They are opposite of the high countries. They are uh, Holland. Mm. Um, they are Belgium. And uh, part Denmark is sort of in a weird kind of mixture place. Sometimes it's included, sometimes it's not. And then uh, finally, um, the Kingdom of Luxembourg. And turns out they make movies. And so I don't, <laughs> I don't believe it. So uh, a handful of Dutch, Dutch, Belgium, and Luxembourgian movies uh, coming your way. One of those uh, films that you may have seen, uh, the movie Octane, which was released in the United States as Pulse back in 2003. Norman Reedus is in it. Uh, Madeline Stowe is in it. And, sure aware of it. And most yeah. of it is shot in the the Kingdom of Luxembourg. Oh. And uh, with Luxembourgian francs. I was going to say dollars, but they don't have those. Um, whatever it is that they do. And uh, so, again, just a movie that's doing this kind of thing. I also want to look at another uh, uh, movie from Holland uh, that I really thought about a lot watching this movie, the same kind of horror, and that is the movie The Vanishing. Have either of you seen The Vanishing? I've heard of it. Yeah. And there's a Jeff Bridges remake. Oh, of yeah, 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 I've seen that. The Buried Alive yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. And, uh, man, it, it, incredible, incredible yeah, it thriller, scary. Um, roughly... 
Uh, there's a Kurt Russell movie that's sort of loosely based on yeah, it. Yeah, uh, Breakdown. 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 Mm-hmm. I saw that recently. Really dug that too. Yeah, I, I was like, just talking to somebody about both Breakdown and The Vanishing like, okay. the other day. And yeah. again, this is another movie from the place and uh, doing some similar kinds of stuff uh, there. And just looking at the ways in which they approach these sort of thriller questions, because I do think the uh, the subtlety and the sort of the way in which they're just not um, they're not playing by the same American horror um, mm-hmm. textbook uh, really applies. Um, next, uh, looking at a, a film that is very Belgian um, and uh, with some French money as well, is The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears, uh, which is a 2011 release or 2013 release. I can't remember uh, off the top of my head. It is uh, a man goes home to his apartment and finds his wife missing and then he is there and it's this sort of surrealistic erotic strange bizarre hmm. um it's it it it's almost it's a neo giallo in some ways so it's as much like an italian giallo film but um if someone if dario argento you know if we say of his films it's hard to follow the plot um the strange color of your body's tears says to that hold my beer and does its own thing. Okay. Uh, uh, it is um, really interesting to look at um, and just visually kind of really experimental. And another way is sort of another register. And, and it seems to be, again, in that sort of horror vein, there may be something supernatural going on, but maybe not. I mean, you really just don't know um, what's going on. Uh, what uh, You don't know anything that's going on, quite literally. Uh, in this movie. I really I really like this movie a lot. I'm, I'm talking about how confusing it is, but really, if you're trying to understand it, you're watching it wrong. Um, just love it. Yeah, just want to make sure I'm clear here um, as I'm making the recommendation to the dear listener out there um, in the world. But yeah, just take some time to look at this sort of like small little niche regional cinema of these particular... Um, again, countries, uh, again, the Netherlands, uh, uh, Luxembourg, Belgium, and again, Danish to an extent, um, connections there. Um, and, and, you know, no one pays attention to the low well, countries. Well, hey, look, the Danes and the Dutch have more in common than they do with the Swedes, obviously. Yeah, they absolutely so. do, yeah. Well, then there's a lot of attention paid to, to Sweden in particular or Scandinavia in general. Mm-hmm. And so, and then, of course, uh, Western Europe, you know, your Spanish, German, and uh, French films get a lot of attention. Uh, so it'd be kind of fun to sort of like, this is other part of Western Europe that we don't sort of fiddle with quite as much. For and, good reason. And, uh, and, and the reason why I'm sort of... St- Steering a little bit away from Denmark is there is a little more um, Danish definition um, in the cinema world. I mean, you got Von Trier and you've got Refn and so those other filmmakers who are, again, doing, I think, similar things to what we're seeing in the rest of the low countries as well. Mm-hmm. But um, so we're playing a little geography and doing a little regional cinema in my syllabus. But dear listener, I believe all of your reading lists just got much longer. But now's the time we get down to business. focus in on what you just said the, the, the key uh, phrase that popped out was the American horror textbook and mm-hmm. I want to go back to what you were saying in your review where I kind of mm-hmm. alluded to later because I think the thing that's really interesting about this movie I thought about it a lot watching we are what we are I thought about it someone we were watching let the right one in but all of these films are very much I mean there's there's a way in which any one of them could take a small right turn and they just maintain their idea of being some sort of social drama. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's a way in which a lot of, a lot of the European horror I've seen isn't focused on that sort of gratuitous shock 
thing that happens that we're, and I think it's mostly in within an American commercial horror that we see it. Right, because I mean that's what people want to see, right? They want to see the jump scares. They yeah, want to see the, the, the gross out thing or the the, the, the lampshade made out of the face. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, the nudity. Yeah, and so I, I was just thinking about that a lot. Like, you know, this is very much a maybe satirical, social, cultural commentary thing, and then it's a horror movie. Yeah, uh, we are what we are is very much, you know, questioning these ideas of family dynamics and succession and power and. Uh, the patriarchy and sure. matriarchy, and there's cannibals. Yeah, let the right one in. The boy's lonely and bullied. Might be want to grow up to be a serial killer. I don't know. Oh, and there's a vampire next door. Right, right. There's a way in which that is an interesting through line that we've kind of come to. Yeah, and, and tra- even trained to Assad, I mean, is the most I guess American in its. I mean, it's very much a zombie film in the way we understand zombie films. Well, until the zombies show up, I mean, it's not because it is this sort of you know single dad raising a daughter, yeah. trying to you know. I mean, those first thirty minutes, but the zombies show up pretty. You yeah, know, pretty fast and furious once they do show mm-hmm. up. But yeah. even then, there's something you know we talked about how very much kind of Korean it is within the kind of commentary that the zombies allow for within that. But there's something about, and I, I mean, we've kind of isolated three here. You know, funny games we could maybe. I mean, because I haven't seen the original, but I th- think quite a bit of it pulls from. It's like the a original, shot for shot yeah, remake. Yeah, Hanukkah much does. The same, yeah. Um, and you know, I've seen a few other pieces here and there, uh, some classic stuff. Uh, but you know, I don't. I don't know if there's you know anything there. If that is more of a, and we've talked about this some with genre stuff in, in Korea, like. Parasite is 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 a comedy. Parasite is a drama. Parasite is an upstairs downstairs movie. Parasite is a suspense thriller parasite has a little bit of horror in it. And like, there's a way in which the sort of hard genre conformity is a bit absent in, I think international cinema compared to American cinema where we have such hard through lines on genre. Well, yeah, I mean, really if, if um, speak no evil were an American film, it would be a thriller. It would not be a horror film for the most part. I mean, I don't, I don't think they'd market it that way because it does not pay off like a horror film would pay off, as you're saying. It really is a yeah. sort of long, ongoing family drama. But there aren't, again, um, and then it has a hereditary ending, or you know, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I think a lot of uh, it, it comes in. It comes a night. Is yeah. that the one that was the t- hard marketed as this horror movie, but was very much something different in its production, right? Yeah, sort of this post-apocalyptic pandemic drama with drama thriller that's yeah. got some horror elements but yeah it's not like a straightforward horror movie but it was very much marketed as one sure. which yeah. really hurt the reception of it and, I, and that's kind of the question of, with the speak no evil is and it'll be quest- uh, an interesting question to see what the American version looks like as well yeah I mean this movie had like a zero dollar North American box office I don't even think it was released here because it was really? acquired by Shudder um, so I'm very curious how they'll you know, when this comes out with James McAvoy and Mackenzie Davis and Scoot McNary, like, how are they going to market this thing? Yeah, because I, I imagine if this thing uh, appears like Fantastic Fest or yeah, is, is that the big fright? Um, yeah. Yeah. Horror, yeah, yeah. Horror con or um, there's it's another genre, one. Right. There, there's another one. Yeah. There's another one. Fright Fest, I think, up in Toronto. I'm not sure. I, I'm I, I'm not up on my um, horror film festivals, yeah. yeah, and film and conventions. But um, I, Fantastic I, Fest is the one I think. Fantastic you're Fest of. is the main one I was thinking of. And if this movie was to be released there for those again, you know, sort of American set, sets of sensibilities, I I think the critics would dig it, and I think the audiences would be. Well, it's very much. I mean, there's a way in which this is very much a day twenty four type of movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can easily like. 
if the A24 logo had been at the front of this movie, I wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, well, no, then I think this movie would do really well at South by Southwest. Yeah, sure. Right, or Sundance. I am actually looking up right now where it had its U.S. Uh, release. Uh, it was at the midnight section of the 38th Sundance Film Festival. Yeah. Really? So there you go. Yeah, and that makes sense because, I mean, that's that's the audience that would dig it. Now, did Shutter produce this or did Shutter pick it up for distribution? Because, I mean, it is marketed as a Shutter exclusive. I, I mean, know. Other, other than that title card, I didn't see any other Shutter yeah. information on uh, it. I'm assuming they bought it for distribution. Yeah, it looks like they acquired it for distribution. Uh, at Sundance? Them and IFC. Yeah, uh, okay. they picked it up and released it uh, on video on demand on September 15th. It says it had a release in select U.S. theaters on uh, September 9th. But if you look up the you know that website, the numbers, the box office yeah. website, it just says N.A. for North American really? box office, like not applicable. So, Nobody went and saw it. Yeah, or not enough to not enough went mark, to see it to like, even know, record it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I guess it did allegedly have a, a limited theatrical release here. But yeah, it's it's uh, it, um, that could have been a New York, California thing for contention or something yeah, yeah. probably so just um, to compete in it was released pretty early in denmark too it was like march of last year <clears throat> so it came out pretty early in the year um but yeah it's it's premiere was january uh at sundance and it was actually invited uh, it was not submitted it was received an invitation so i'm not quite sure how nice. it worked out anyway that was a quick wikipedia scan though uh, it, and it was, you know, mostly fairly well received mm-hmm. by critics. I mean, I think uh, people this this has definitely I was not the only one trumpeting for this film last year. I know a lot of folks liked it. Uh, Sean Fennessy from the big picture was singing its praises as well. Yeah. And, and it's always weird. It's always a weird pick on some of the shutter exclusive stuff, because a lot of them will get real high, you know, tomato meetings, tomato meter readings or whatever. And mm-hmm. then like it's like from 10 critics or what, you know, so it's like really hard sometimes to gauge these movies because they are so small and they don't get a yeah, yeah, huge yeah. audience. But yeah. this one, I mean, yeah, I, th- I think it just really works. And so I think critical acclaim is, is pretty warranted here. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, you know, shutter acquiring it is an interesting choice because I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it is a horror movie in, in, in a sense, but it really, I mean, it's a thriller, right? Well, and this, I mean, to Arthur's point, like we, Genre strictures seem so much more rigid in American cinema, and we really are splitting hairs with love. What's the difference between a psychological thriller, a horror film, and a psychological horror film? Like, this this really is definitional hair splitting, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it is fine to call it a horror movie, and anybody who wants is. to quibble about whether or not it's a horror movie... Uh, okay, dude, fine. Fucking whatever. <laughs> who cares? I think it is in that end outcome, right? Like, if, if it... I mean, if... if uh, Agnes doesn't get her tongue cut out, mm-hmm. and they don't stone the family mm-hmm. in in the, uh, the 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 quarry or whatever, mm-hmm. right? It's definitely not a horror movie, but I think that those element, are the pieces that make it. If yeah. They, yeah. If but if Mu Hajadeen, yeah, the 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 what babysitter. Did you yeah, just yeah, call the, the babysitter Mujahideen? Yeah, that's not right. Those no. are the, those are the freedom fighters, aren't <laughs> yeah. they from Afghanistan? <laughs> yes, they are. The brave freedom fighters. Close, who were though, right? Mujahideen. Part uh, first blood, part two. Yeah, yeah. That's part three, I think. That's right. That's right. It's part three. Holy shit! I'll see if I can find it for you. Yeah, just call him the babysitter so we can move on. Yeah, for sure. Mujahid. Muhajid. Okay, well, so I mean, you were close. I was real close. Um, yeah, get off my back. Uh, <laughs> okay, fine. D- despite that, um, if he had just taken her off screaming, and if they had simply just... It's like a kidnapping thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and if they led them to the bottom of the hole and shot him. Yeah. Then it's just a movie. Yeah. Kidnapping. And like, I, I think don't, it's still a horror movie. I think I Arthur's right. Well, I, I mean, think going also, extreme is part of it. Well, I think also the idea of if, if Abel... 
Mm-hmm. Like the the the, the thing the, like yeah, Vable's not knowing in the, they've in the done pool. this before. Mm-hmm. Yes, the reveal of like not only have they done this before, but maybe hundreds, hundreds of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, approximately every time they go on vacation, it would seem. Yeah. It would seem. Well, they're and, constantly on vacation yeah. doing this because they're yeah. all stealing. They're stealing the cash from <laughs> these other tourists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it is. Uh, I think there are those little layers to it that. I do think put it in horror. I mean, I, I wouldn't quibble with anybody putting this in horror. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, either. no. And I, again, but I'm I th- also the same guy that thinks Signs of the Lambs is horror. And I, you I know, it's very much you, in that same kind of space. Right. Yeah. I just, yeah. Some people want to like gatekeep horror. If, it's if weird. It's like if it, if it doesn't meet like my my thrills per second meter, it doesn't yeah. count. It's like I, I don't mean, know, well, man. The purest like if it doesn't have this thing, it's got you know I don't man. If you're creeped out, it counts. Yeah. And I th- <laughs> if and, you're and unsettled, what, it counts. Yeah. This, and to your point, like. The director says they want to make the the most unsettling whatever movie, right? Yeah. Like, you're setting out to make a horror film. Oh, and he very much is like, yeah. this is a horror movie. Yeah. They, they're not, like, scared to call it a horror movie. Yeah. So that's what they wanted to make. And they fought for that ending. But I, I really do think it is... I think it's really upon the reveal of, oh, this isn't the first time. Yeah. That it, it leans into horror. I think that's fair. I think up to that point, it could very easily kind of fall into just suspense thriller. Sure. sure. But... Man, it, it does such a good job of seeding things, setting things up, and then getting to the idea. And this could move us into the thing maybe Dustin mentioned earlier about, you know, when do you leave, right? It, mm. it is, you know, how many times can they justify their behavior based off of cultural grounds? Yeah. You know, oh, you could have told us you didn't eat meat at any time. Yeah. This is how we do it here. Yeah. Like those little things like that. Well, and they keep the, the ways in which patrick and karen like gaslight them or so oh my gosh it's like you know they know you don't eat meat you told them on vacation this has come up multiple times and he thought he talked about what a nice person you were for not eating meat and now he's acting like he's never heard this yeah yeah no yeah Yeah. you're being fucked with yeah they uh um, okay so when do you leave when do i leave do you leave with them i mean and just forget the bunny because i'm like yeah forget the bunny yeah Yeah. yeah. when louisa says get up i mean i think if i were bjorn i would have said get up already i uh, louisa wouldn't have come back to bed to me asleep i would have i would what was the trigger event there Uh, it's louise finding agnes in the bed with uh patrick and karen but but bjorn sees um sees him watching them um having sex and so there's already that voyeurism kind of thing yeah no i know and you're out i'm out i'm bye yeah Yeah. if you're bjorn you're out there yeah i'm out then yeah okay I'm already saying we're leaving they now. They must have just been having an extremely long dry spell for him to be that forgiving. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying I'm, I might not have finished. Uh, <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> I do like this read of, hold on. Well, this it makes sense, though, because Bjorn's like, the whole thing is Bjorn is like drawn to Patrick, right? Like he sees this kind of like this machismo and he's like, yeah, dog, I want some of that. And I think like that's a big part of it. And, and the, so maybe the, there is some kind of like. Not necessarily. He like, wants to be a bike. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's that great moment before, you know, the, they're at this, their own dinner party at their house. They have mm-hmm. some friends over and, and it is back to the performances. Cause I think they are so well done mm-hmm. and there's so much in the performance that's not in the script, but it is this, you can really tell that he feels like maybe bored. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's not sure. About this relationship, like there was an excitement to meeting Patrick and them. And he feels he, a little too mannered right now. Yeah, and he wants to chase that excitement, and, and he doesn't want to just have these boring dinner parties at home. And and that's all in the performance and the body mm-hmm. language rather than in the script. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a good part of it. He's a really good actor. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of a nuts performance. I mean, he is sort of the central. It makes sense that they cast McAvoy for that because right? yeah. he can really yeah, yeah. hold the camera. Yeah, and like can do a lot of those small 
performance things. Yep. Um, yeah, let, let's let's talk about uh, the remake uh, phenomenon oh, since, yeah, here. Since yeah, I've, I've referenced little, it, yeah, here a little bit now. So we've got you know obviously let me in for the let the right one in. We've also got we are what we are, we are what we are, which is we are what we are. I guess um, somos K high son. I don't remember. How I don't do you, know. Yeah, I can't remember the Spanish in right now. Yeah. Translation. But um, that was remade, and then Train to Busan is scheduled to be remade, and this As film the last train out of New York or last train to New York or something like that is like the working title. No sleep till Brooklyn. Yeah, if that's not the tagline, yeah, they're doing just, it wrong. They, you're so right. Uh, <laughs> and then yeah, and then this the, the remake for this comes out next year. It's yeah. like it's already got a release date, so, so um, it's happening. You know why? I, the, my question really, I mean, truly, truly, is why? I mean, I understand. There are audiences who don't watch anything that has anything subtitled. Mm-hmm. I understand that that exists, but um, my my I guess my question is beyond simply this is a cash grab. You know, it's sort of like adapting a novel that's popular. You adapt. I don't it. know that that's always the case, and I think we are we all are is the kind of. I think this and both of these films, right? Are, we are we are in this film. Like, I don't. I mean, Bloomhouse doing it does feel like a money grab. You're mm-hmm. right. But we are where we are. I mean, that was a 2013 independent. I mean, that wasn't a big studio an indie thing. remake of an indie yeah. remake, which yeah. was, or not a yeah, an indie yeah, original. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and from what I was, and you know, when we talked about it last week, and you filled me in on the differences between the American and the the, the uh, Mexican oh, right, version, right. that detailed uh, right. analysis I, I gave you. I think that it, the American version does play quite a bit with that story to do something different. It is right? it's a very different movie. Yeah. But we've also recently taught you, I mean, you, you kind of watched, let me in, you watched, let me in, and right? I read the book, but they're, and I read the book. Yeah. And those two movies are pretty similar beats wise, right? Yes, they are. Yeah. Right, so I, I think, and, but that one does feel a little more like a money grab thing because it's a studio thing doing it. Mm-hmm. We've got a good director doing it, but it does like, Oh, that movie was successful. Let's get it to a wider audience. And, and the remake doing a feels more salacious deal, too. I mean, it feels more American in that sense. Yeah, mm. I mean, the Ghibli thing, right, is is kind of the thing to look at, right? A lot of those movies get American play, and they're typically dubbed, but they're not remade by Disney, right? Disney just picks them up for distribution. Mm-hmm. And there's very much a way in which a distribution company could pick these up for theatrical distribution, a twenty four. But it doesn't happen for you know whatever reason. Um, and I'm not necessarily opposed to the remake especially if it is going to do something with it right you know well, i'm thinking about the girl with the dragon tattoo as yeah. well which is again uh, an excellent film uh, and, a, and a good novel yeah and uh, remade um again not shot for shot but it is pretty much beat for beat the same movie yeah yeah and i you you do find yourself going well how come why why do we I mean, funny games is almost the worst version of it where the director himself shot for shot with different actors makes an english language version of the same yeah. movie which which again seems to be getting past that subtitle audience yeah, right but I, and I think, I mean, but in the law, I mean, that's any remake, right? I mean, Van Zant or Gus Van Zant doing uh, Psycho. Oh, Psycho, you know, yeah. Even the American remake's not new. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't I mean, At the end of the day, I think there's two things it comes down to. I think it's a director want, or, you know, a filmmaker wanting to tackle the story. Mm-hmm. And I think that maybe what we get was... And, and, and clearly Reeves is doing that. I mean, he wants to do his different yeah. and I think sort of venture. Yeah, Fincher and Spile. Dragon Tattoo. yeah. And I think, you know, with Let Me Write, Let the, or We Are What We Are, again, this kind of indie remake of this small Mexican film. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the other one is just the cash grab. Yeah. And if you can get the cash grab with the director who cares, that's kind of what you're wanting, I think, rather than a cash grab with just some journeyman who's trying to get a job done. That's yeah. the thing that's interesting about this one, right? This movie didn't make money. 
So it's not like there's a built-in audience. And maybe that's what they're they're like, okay, horror heads have like been talking about this quite, movie and they'll come the out for it. underseen thing, right? Yeah, and maybe, I hope that's what they're going for. Like, this has been underseen, but it's really cool. So let's like do it with some big names and maybe people will come out for it. Yeah. Um, at James Watkins, who did The Woman in Black, the Daniel Radcliffe yeah. film, he's mm-hmm. writing and directing the remake. Uh, I couldn't find in a quick cursory scan if, you know, he came to Bloomhouse or Bloomhouse came to him but it's you know it's a full writer written and directed by project so okay. hopefully he puts a spin on it because I, I you know I'm, I'm especially an English filmmaker well, doing I, it, I, it presumably set in America I'd be curious what the, the yeah, take is I mean yeah because that's the big thing right because I mean it is the cultural divide here that makes this movie even a thing right the, mm-hmm. these two uh, families the the Dutch and the Danish mm-hmm. right yeah. I don't I mean I mean, do you, you do a North and a South family? Do you do a rural yeah. and a city family? Do you do a New York and a Texas family? Like, I what's mean, the cultural, an American and a Canadian family? Yeah, since the fam- families in this film are, like, rural versus city, right? Like, that that seems to be as big of a divide as the Danish versus Dutch yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Like, city versus country yeah. seems to be a big part of it. And I'm, presumably, they'll stick with that aspect of the yeah. film. I'm hoping, like, I would love to see them just let McAvoy be Scottish. I was going to say, it could be, like... Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I don't know. Dinner. Yeah, he's like, I don't know. I mean, Kinsey Davis is presumably playing his spouse. So, you know, if a, a Scot and an American, like, that would kind of be an interesting sort of spin on it. And again, like, an English filmmaker making But McAvoy's a movie. playing the... The, the visiting family. The, yeah. He's playing yeah, Bjorn. Bjorn. Yeah. And I, I, I assume. Yeah. Uh, because the names are different in the casting, obviously. Right. Um, yeah, Mackenzie Davis is is Luis, so they kept that name. James McAvoy is anyone called Bjorn? It's just yeah, that's very funny. Uh, I am again, like I think Scoot McNeary is such perfect casting. Who uh, yeah. Ben is the name that uh, the, the uh, credit I'm seeing is mm. uh, as opposed to Patrick. So they're going to change some of the names. Um, but sense. yeah, I think he's going to be. He's he's just so like I don't know. Scoot's great. Mm-hmm. I, I he's got like so much going on uh, as far as like. Just kind of a hard dude to pin down. Like, what's this guy's deal? He's just kind of squirrely. I love him. So let's let's transition from these production kind of questions. Let's yeah. talk about the movie itself a little bit. And and one of the things that we've we've already mentioned is that it is this sort of weird comedy of manners. Mm-hmm. Um, though it's not funny. Uh, although it is funny in bits. It's not it's not play it's not yeah, a, yeah, yeah. you know, Robin Williams and the greatest, you know, is is not doing that kind of Robin thing. Robin Williams and Speak No Evil, I would watch. Yeah, if you play uh, Patrick. Yeah, dude. Huh? If he plays Patrick, then yes. he could. I've he seen one hour ch- photo. He would crush it. Yeah. Are you kidding me? He'd be so but good. But he could also yeah. play Bjorn. Yeah, he could do both. In fact, in the same movie. <laughs> I, would, I would watch that. Uh, <laughs> this is Doubtfire 2. Speak no evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love where you're going with this. Uh, well, where, where were you going, Dustin, if you can... I, I just... The, the, the question is, you know, we, we think about when you would go. Sure. But there is this sort of... Uh, and, and again, this is sort of what... Part of what Bjorn seems to be wrapped up in is this idea of... This is how you behave. This is mm-hmm. what you do. You agree to this because there are other sort of social capital benefits that you might re- yeah. re- retain from, you know, being part of this circle of friends. Um, you're going to, you know, and, and uh, there's a moment where they're watching um, Agnes at a play. And Bjorn does seem to be quite bored. Mm-hmm. He's not even watching the stage. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, feigning interest, you know, and, but it's good because having a kid, and clearly he loves his daughter. And, uh, and clearly he loves his wife. But he's just all, going through the motions. He's, going, he's yeah. going through a lot of motions in his life. And that you sort of are required to do this. And, you know, um, the way in which, um, 
one must deny part of one's authentic self in order to function in society, which is basically, you know, sublimation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, civilization is discontents by Sigmund Freud. Is it mm-hmm. we have to want to push down some of our desires in order to make, you know, trains and, you know, the world work and Internet and, you know, running water and what have you. And so, you know, he I think he's OK with the trade off, but he sort of is feeling that little bit of alienation from it. And then he sees Patrick, who mm-hmm. does seem to be the sort of free spirit and who gasses him up right mm-hmm. you know he's like oh, you went back for the rabbit you're a hero what a great dad mm-hmm. and that's and, all i can think about the rest of the yeah. movie now and bjorn is just like, like don't be a hero bjorn yeah just leave keep no. driving get out of here yeah or Let's, yeah. do what you should have done like all right get out we're looking under the seats too we're really looking for this rabbit if we're looking for this rabbit yeah that's what i'm saying yeah not to not to backseat drive bjorn uh but you know, he could have, have saved him some trouble. Though. Might have saved him some trouble. It would have indeed. <laughs> also, probably tell your wife why you're waking her up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I, don't, I mean that's like dramatic irony, though, right? It, that's it's, kind of like the whole thing they're going for, right? Like yeah. they're asleep. I'm not going to bother. I'm just going to get us out of here. I'll mm-hmm. tell you in a little while. Mm-hmm. I don't want to we'll alarm. Call any, the cops down the road. But we are we are just getting out of Dodge right now, and so I, I'm willing to excuse that kind of running upstairs when the you know. When the, well, we've entered the horror movie portion mm-hmm. of the film at this point, right? Like we're fully in hell, and like yeah. I mean, it may sense for not every decision to make sense in my right. in my mind I, there's some yeah. good little check off guns things going on like uh, the the empty gas meter i'm like oh they're gonna run out of gas mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but no they get to the filling station mm-hmm. and they keep going yeah mm-hmm. they just get caught up with <laughs> yeah <laughs> unfortunately for them should have taken the main road yeah yeah just he should have got the gps that's what he should have done roads but he's got to be a man he can't ask for directions <laughs> he even talks about feeling emasculated by, by the gps, GPS. Yeah. yeah that's so funny um, but yeah, the, again, and, and so the, the exterminating angel, this is just, it's, it's bad, pl- it's, it's, it's bad form or, it's, mm-hmm. and, and the way they get talked back into it, it's going to be such a great day. We're sorry. And again, they allow themselves to be so sorry I slept naked with your child, but we're going to go pick lilies today or whatever. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, well, your daughter was, wanted, crying. was crying for Where you guys. You? Where were you? What were you doing? Were you busy fucking? Cause we were being good parents. <laughs> Drunk. Yeah. Yeah. Sleeping we, it off. Yeah absolutely hammered yeah, yeah uh that's i love the scene where they're driving back and like patrick is pretty hammered and like is just jamming Ooh, out the music so loud yeah it's so funny so i did adult the entire way coming up did here you, today yeah yeah, yeah. turn on yours cranked danish it. metal or yeah it was dutch all metal nothing or whatever. but dutch metal yeah. yeah the great the great dutch singers of, of our time that's that's what we were listening to i thought uh you know when he uh when him and patrick are driving and he's like you want to listen to some music I, I I just knew he was gonna put on some sort of like black magic death cult <laughs> metal band. Yeah, no, it was just sort of like a generic pop, pop rock. Song. Guy. Yeah. yeah, I was waiting for Celine Dion. Really, I did. <laughs> they couldn't afford the rights to Celine Dion. You're not wrong. Uh, I read this film professor. I wish I had written down like the name of the blog. Dustin Sells. It wasn't Dustin, but no. it, it, it could have. And I was the whole time I was reading it, I was like, "Man, I like want Dustin and this guy yeah. to meet." Uh, but <laughs> he he did not like the movie very much. Uh, read enough things that he kind of like sees the appeal of it, uh, but gave the read that like the sort of the reveal of all these photos, right? Is gave the read that this presents sort of an inherently nihilistic view of people and like their self preservation. Like people are stupid idiots and they will always fall for uh cultural convention sticking mm. with societal norms like o- over saving themselves uh and I don't, I don't know i'm i'm interested by i don't I, know that's a necessarily a nihilistic 
yes, I agree that that is what people will do, but I don't think that that's necessarily a nihilistic read of humanity. I didn't go all the way to nihilism, but I thought this movie does the same kind of thing that a lot of true crime podcast listening does, Mm -hmm. which is sort of fun... fundamentally break your trust of other human beings mm, okay. and 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 so you know the 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 most of the time it isn't a set of serial killers who invited you over mm-hmm. and that you can suffer through a dinner and be nice and be charitable and generous yeah. and then say goodbye and then be busy next time they call mm-hmm. like you know like yeah like that's get in the car and immediately start talking shit on the drive home yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. um and say like well we are never doing that again you know and, and that and that's that seems to be again. It spares others' feelings and that kind. You know, there, there's those kind of cultural niceties, yeah. and I'm all for sparing other feelings. I don't think you ought to hurt somebody's feelings if you can avoid it. Uh, that's it's just being nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's being a good person. Yeah, I suggest and recommend these things. And what this movie does, and alongside, you know, this sort of my favorite murderer, or I mean, I'm not sort of die. I'm not. I'm not. Um, You're just naming the big ones. Yeah, I'm just naming yeah. a big one. But the they create this sort of listenership where they're like, nope. You're looking for the signs, and you got red flags, and then you cut these people off, and you are rude, and you walk out, and you grab your keys and hold them between your knuckles, and you, you don't, know, don't do that. That's a bad self-defense technique. It's, it's not very helpful, no. I just like to feel like Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. That's actually why I do it. I do it with steak knives. It's also, you know, like the force thing at the the grocery store to get the doors yes, open. Absolutely. Came out of the and and so I think it maybe it encourages a kind of nihilism, or mm-hmm. at least, I, but I, I'm not with I, again having not read the article that you're talking about. I'm not quite with the writer insofar as it is nihilistic i i think it's simply suggesting you do have to have the radar on Mm -hmm. and at some point you might need to go ahead and trust it yeah and i you know you invoked them um my favorite murder so you know their whole Mm -hmm. thing like fuck being polite like Sometimes, yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, oh, they, they, they that, say yeah, that. Literally, yeah. say that. That's like, funny. There's a space that'll for get that, you killed. right? Yeah, yeah. But that will get you killed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been, happened a bunch of times in yeah. history. Sure, sure. Um, and that's that is sort of like the, you know, the central tension of the film is like, when, at what point are they going to start being worried for their their own self preservation yeah. and, the, and the, yeah. their lives and the lives of their child? Uh, and too late is too the late answer. Is the answer? Yeah. yeah. And that's you know, what does end up happening in, mm-hmm. in a lot of these, you know, true crime situations. And and again, interestingly, and, and I guess to the point is, it's not like it's subtle. It, it's not like you say, what are these weird rust stains all over this knife? Mm-hmm. Um, just rust, you know, or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, I notice a bunch of, you know, size 15 girls clothes also in Abel's closet. That's kind of strange. Why do you have those? You know, it, it wasn't anything quite like, it's a obvious. Little, it's it's a, well. It's a little off, but it's not. It's, yeah, it's, it's it's not throwing a coffee cup at the kid's head. It's not watching, you know, voyeuristically watching them have sex. It's yeah. not driving home drunk. It's not putting your child in their bed while they're naked and drunk. Yeah, it. I mean, which are. Uh, those things are extreme. Well, yeah, what's yeah. what's what's beyond a red flag? Yeah, right? yeah. And, and, if I see you throw a coffee cup at your kid's head, you're out. I'm never seeing you ever again. No, and we might have a fist fight right there. Right there, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so it, it's not as though these kinds of things I'd that are ma- be out after you made me pay for dinner. Yeah, that's are you wait, dude. Excuse me. <laughs> it's so funny when he's like, "Wait, so we're paying for dinner?" Thank oh, you. Thank you. you. It's so funny. And, and again, I mean, I would see right through that, and I'd be like, you 
Doug. I would just I'd be done. I, I would yeah. I would be done. I would be ready to go home and be fine with that. Hey, but that's what they do. The Dutch. The Dutch. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. You think can't that. be rude. You can't. You be don't rude. piss on hospitality. Hey, the Dutch are not the Canadians. Um, the Dutch can be rude. Well, the, the Canadians will pay for everything if you go up there. That's that's true. Hey, will you buy me a coffee and some donuts at Tim Hortons? So give me a bag of milk, please, and some health care. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll take. I'll, I'll take some poutine. One health care, please. <laughs> poutine and the blood thinners to chase it down. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 truly, I I don't think it's nihilistic in that sense. No, I don't either. And I, I, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I think that my favorite murder folks would probably say at that point when they have clearly violated a thing yes people will try to gaslight you or yeah. they'll, they'll mm-hmm. try to but if you're like no they threw a coffee cup at the kid's head no they absolutely know I'm a vegetarian and they're messing with me and they're acting like they're not that dude was definitely watching us and for too long and for, yeah <laughs> it wasn't like walking by Ugh, and, uh, and not, look not away like, yeah exactly not like, like Norman you know. Bates outside the window yeah not a, not no, a, Vince Vaughn outside the window yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sorry Vince Vaughn you yeah. schmuck <laughs> <laughs> but, I think so. Oh, go ahead. No, no. I'm just the point is, yeah. I, I, I that we've we've moved past politeness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had awkward dinners. I've mm-hmm. had you know meetings with people that I don't care for, mm-hmm. and and you know what I am? I'm nice. And it, again, there, there, it doesn't cost me anything no. to be nice. No. And 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 so yeah, I, I, that nihilism would be bad if the movie did that. But the guy's wrong. Yeah, I think so. Uh, it was. You know, it was definitely an interesting, like, watching somebody wrestle with softening on a film. It was kind of, I didn't mm-hmm. read, the, I kind of skimmed it, but I was like, oh, that's interesting. Uh, which, I, I did want to look for, a, you know, a negative read on this, because it did get kind of pretty favorable reviews. I mean, I have seen some Letterboxd reviews that are more middling, um, but it, it... But they're never well thought out. There's just, like, five-word dumb answers. <laughs> I agree. The last I, th- I agree that every review I saw on Letterboxd that didn't like this film didn't have, like, a strong argument for why it's bad, other than they didn't like it. Which is, is, is fine, and is allowed. Like... Mm-hmm. If this movie isn't your cup of tea, that's okay. And there are problems. Like, I would like to see Louise be more of a real character. You know, we don't get a ton from sure. her, really. And she sort of disappears while Bjorn is off figuring out what the movie's about. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't really get brought into a, a meaningful, like, moment of character agency at, again. Well, the, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, she has the initial escape, but, you yeah. know. But uh, after that, she's she's sort of... I want to talk about the ending a little bit here. Um, not just the fact that there's a stoning that takes place, yeah. um, which is awful. And I, and I love the sort of, you know, yin-yang kind of weird biblical kind of triptych that they kind of create, you know, this sort of huge, um, it lo- looks like something out of Hannibal um, kind of posing of their bodies um, after they died. And I think that's gorgeous and uh, interesting filmmaking. But the thing I wanted to think about was... Throughout the movie, the last thing that um, that Patrick says is, why, why are you doing this? It's because you let me. Mm-hmm. And there are over and over and over again moments where either Louisa or um, Bjorn can simply just choose violence yeah. and do something else. I mean, I, I don't think Bjorn and Patrick win a fist fight. I mean, no, I know I, Patrick's going to fuck Bjorn up bad. Yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I don't think he could take him. I, I, no. don't, I don't think. But, but you try. But right? you try, right? You yeah. try. You absolutely. There comes do. a point where you have to. And I think there's this like Christian Taftrip like talked about putting a little bit of himself into Bjorn. And I think there really is like a specifically you mentioned the low countries, but like, you know, Denmark gets kind of lumped in with the Scandinavian countries sometimes. Mm. And I think there is a specifically like. Scandinavian social democracy versus Scandinavian Vikings sort of like 
cultural cognitive dissonance going yeah, on, yeah. right? These sort of like we're our our ancestors were famous for being like the tough SOBs, and we're sort of like the soft countries now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that that that's like I would like to talk to somebody who has you know lived that experience to see what they think about that. But there definitely seems to be like a modern emasculation thing going on that we've already kind of alluded to. But that like. To commit to that, I think, is a is good for the themes of the movie. Yeah. I, I think you're right from like a realistic at a certain point you just flail, even yeah. if flailing is all you can do. I mean, I, I I even get they have my daughter. If I do something, they can do something to her. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I, I I understand like that being a mindset. <laughs> but the at the point in which they say take your clothes off, like I I'm thinking to myself, I haven't seen a gun yet. And because they do kill him by throwing rocks at him. So yeah, I'm I'm no I'm not I'm just not going to stand here for this, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, if I'm going to die anyway, I'm. You're such an American. I, maybe I am, but yeah. Um, again, yeah. I, I'm I'm picking no, up yeah. a stick. I'm I'm just whatever I can do, and then we're going to go from there. These people have murdered these other families, you know. I'm in a life and death kind of situation. And, uh, I mean, of course you bide your time, you know, you wait for opportunity, you know, you do that kind of stuff. But one of the things the movie does, and I think does on purpose is that they never, ever seek that, that boat. I, I don't think that the filmmakers were thinking this is not an option or they did not, we're not creative enough to come up with the option. They, they want us to see these characters be this passive all the way through, yeah. mm-hmm. even though yeah. they are sort of actively curating their environment, they cannot be passive in, uh, they cannot be active in in an aggressive situation. And, uh, and I, and I do think that that is sort of an interesting kind of, I don't know, Dutch diagnosis, perhaps that the film was trying to suggest. I, I Danish. They, well, they're the Dutch ones though. Well, the wait who, who gets murdered is, yeah. yeah. Are they the Dutch ones? No, the, the, Danish the Danish family is who gets murdered. The Dutch are Patrick and, and Karen. Karen. Right. I forgot. I got them backwards. Sorry. Yeah. No, you're good. Lousy Dutch. But, yeah. Well, again, but the sort of diagnosis of, some part or segment, you know, within culture. And yeah, I just, it would have been interesting to see. It would have been interesting to see Louisa try something. Yeah. Again, I, I agree with you. And that, that's kind of why I said like after she sort of shepherds the first escape attempt, I feel like that character doesn't really get a ton to do. Well, and I'll tell you what, if you're not tied down, lined up against a wall or in a hole, which is how people do stonings yeah. in the parts of the world where stoning yeah. is an actual form of execution, yeah. Um, it's hard to get stoned if you don't, if you, if, if, if you're stand if you're not going to stand if you're there, you're moving around, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, the first rock that comes through, I'm, I'm, of course I want to care for my partner, but I'm also thinking there are rocks around here. Fight I, back. I've, I've, I've been in a rock fight or two and, um, I know you can get as good as you can give in a situation like that. God, I would love to hear Christian. You Taft. and the rest of the losers club. Huh? I would love to hear Christian Taft trip your three American males, like talk about their, their option to choose violence yeah. uh, in this situation. And I'm a pacifist. I'm, I, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm much, I'm, I'm wearing a sweater with a button up right now. Uh, not if your daughter's at stake. Not if my daughter's at stake. Not if my wife's at stake. Yeah. yeah this is, I mean, there is. At, well, that's uh, good to hear. When, when, I'm, when, I'm, when I'm out of <laughs> options, yeah. I'm out of options. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you touched on this already, Dustin, sort of the, you know, the sublimation of our, our authentic reactions going on mm-hmm. in this film. And like that, that is sort of like the central theme that they commit to is like we're we are pushing down the authentic reaction so much that we don't have access to it anymore yeah. is maybe what's being suggested. Maybe so. Yeah, like we, we just don't. We are so pacified that we, we cannot access our, our self-preservation instincts. Um, I don't know. I, I like how unknowable and evil Patrick and Karen yes. are. I, I heard an interview. I can't remember who with 
Um, but I, I specifically heard Taft like him and his brother, you know, when they were working on the screenplay, they're like, I don't know, they're demons, whatever. Oh, that's, yeah. They were like, if somebody asks us, that's what we say. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's not important. It is. They are su- just supposed to be like, just like the lady in prisoners. Uh, who's that actor? I can't think of her name. Um, the, the Viola Davis. No, the um, the woman who turned out to be doing it all the whole time. Oh, the Jackie Weaver. Is it Jackie Weaver? No, it's not Jackie Weaver. It's somebody like Jackie Weaver. It's um, <laughs> God. Oh, she, she hey, got her Oscar for the fighter. Jackie Weaver. No, that's Animal Kingdom. Melissa Leo. There we go. Melissa Leo is like someone kind of like yeah, Jackie exactly. Weaver. <laughs> yeah, a Jackie, a Jackie Weaver type. Yeah, uh, give me someone like Jackie Weaver. Yeah, Melissa Leo. Hey, I don't think Melissa Leo or Jackie Weaver would be offended to be compared to each other. They both, they both rock. They're both rock solid. We love them both. Uh, when Melissa Leo and Prisoners is like, this is our war on God. I, I was thinking Melissa Leo though. You were. That's who I was. But you were picturing Melissa Leo, yeah, but saying yeah, yeah. Jackie Weaver. Okay. <laughs> That's why I was like, yeah, in the, in the fighter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Jackie Weaver. <laughs> uh, I, so anyway, I, I thought about her and prisoners the, on this watch specifically, just because I'd heard that interview with Taftrip and was thinking about like Patrick and Karen is just sort of this this force of pure evil that just mm-hmm. exists to take and consume and destroy um, and pervert. I felt like they were looking for the right kid. Like, I, I think they were on to get a perfect kid. And also, like, sort of, like, having their life, you know. Uh, man, they are the same person. Um, and and it, it's sort of, like, a way to make a living, you know. It's a, a particular sort of robbery. Grift. Yeah, yeah, robbery grift, you know, to sort of work out. And so, I mean, that makes sense. And they can, you know, they know how to be on the first meeting, you know, affable and interesting. But, so, yeah, no, very, very good stuff. Well, let's go ahead and pull this train in the station, and let's render a verdict on... Uh, speak no evil. <laughs> I still don't know what movie I'm doing right now. <laughs> Batting out of order over here. Arthur, do you like this movie? Uh, yeah, shelf or trash? I do. Uh, I will speak no evil about it. Uh, it's it's. I, I do think I'd shelve it. I, I I like a lot of what I mean. It's just really in my wheelhouse as a thriller, as a suspense film, to be able to do those things that I love so much of of ratcheting the tension and raising the stakes that I think it just does so well. So yeah, for me, it is definitely shuffable. What if it was ratcheting the stakes and raising the tension? You know, I don't know. What if that, it was that? raising the roof and uh, staking <laughs> the ratchets, uh, maybe. <laughs> just curious. Okay. Uh, Dalton, what do you say? Do you shelf or trash? I mean, you picked the movie. Yeah, no, it's a, a plus for me. Uh, do, does it all, does it well. I like it. Me gusta. Uh, uh, it's hopefully it gets a physical release at some point. I almost assume it would because I, I think a, shutter, a lot of the Shutter stuff does. Does okay. I think so. That's cool that Shutter puts their stuff. Well, that makes sense because they're partnered with IFC Films. Um, well, I think they're part of like the same ownership, so I guess yeah. that makes sense. But yeah, I, especially like if it gets a real nice special edition when the American version's close to coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you should pick this up. It's worth very getting. cool. What about you, Dustin? I'm going to also shelf it. It's very mm, good. Okay. And so um, I don't know whether or not that deems a pattern or not. Yet, Yet another triple crown for old Shocktober the International. Yes. I will spoil it for you, Dustin, when we travel back in time to record our episode about We Are What We Are. I shall not be putting it on the shelf. We will not go four for four on Triple Crowns. Okay, fair enough. Um, well, there you go, dear listener. Um, if you want to tell us why we're wrong, why we don't understand the Dutch, why we don't understand the Danish, why we need to eat more cheese why Danish, care. why we should care. <laughs> Uh, anything else you want to correct us um, you can send those things to Dalton and Dalton's going to tell you how yeah you can send those things over to goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com send me your recipe for roast wild boar ooh yes please uh, just don't make my vegetarian friends eat it please 
That's not cool. Yeah. Um, cast at gmail.com. Uh, who do you think should have been cast in the American remake? Do you think McAvoy, Mackenzie Davis, and McNeary are bad? I disagree with you, but I would love to hear your thoughts. Goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find the three of us all over the internet doing various things. Uh, we have a website, goodtrashmedia.com. Uh, there's some written articles there from both Arthur and Dustin, if you want to go check that out. Uh, you know, we're all on Letterboxd and write reviews over there. Uh, Arthur's the Arthur Gordon. Dustin's just Dustin Sells, I believe. I'm, Most of the time. Uh, Dollywood Square's pretty much everywhere. You just got to drop the A on Letterboxd because of character limits. So, yeah, find us online if you want to interact with us individually. Uh, send us email at goodtrashgenrecast at gmail.com. Dollywood Squares. 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 Uh, that's right. Uh, finally, if you want to help us keep the lights on, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM, find out what's in it for you. Uh, and, uh, you know, maybe pick a movie for us if that's, if that's kind of the level you want to get into. Yes. Very good. Thank you very much for that. Um, so, um, that's it next week, last next week. I know what I'm doing in five minutes. What am I doing next week, Arthur? Next week, we're gonna be doing a look back at 2018. We're gonna do like a little five year value. You know, a lot of times watching a movie kind of five years, that gives us some time to really reflect on, was it really that good? Was it that bad? Right. We start to really have these conversations of reevaluating these works and their worth. And so that's what we're going to do next month. We're going to be taking a look at some movies from 2018 to see how they stand up and if they need to be maybe reappraised or if they've been properly appraised already. And we're going to start with a little film by Paul Fagg called A Simple Favor. Ooh. I've been wanting to catch up with this for a long time. I have never caught it either. I dug it a lot in theaters. I remember you liking it a lot. and I know Kirsten likes it, right? Yes, Kirsten likes it a lot. Um, yeah, I know a lot of people who dig this movie, so I'm excited to catch up with it. I think you're gonna. It's got some. Uh, it's got some DNA you're gonna appreciate. I think. I like DNA. I'm probably gonna wish it was gayer. <laughs> is what I. I think that's probably the the thing. Yeah, I'm yeah. just gonna wish it was was a little little more queer. No, but I'm I'm excited. All right, well there you go, dear listener. You keep watching. We'll keep talking, and we'll see you all next time. <laughs> <laughs>